right, well, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, during our initial prayer time this morning, Shane prayed that something would happen today, and uh, something is indeed going to happen. Don't know what, but uh, we're something. We are going to go with that. Completely unrelated to the sermon, I have a story to tell you guys about my daughter. Last night, we're going into the grocery store, and Cordelia sees somebody throw something on the ground. She informs me and Jerrica, Mommy, Daddy, that's, that's littering. And we said, yeah, it's littering. And she said, and that's bad. And we said, yeah, it's bad. And she said, because that harms the earth and it harms the animals. And we were like, yeah. And she's like, Noah is going to be so mad. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, animals, make the connection, Courtney. You just graduated college. Come on. So we have made it through Revelation. We have made it to our final week. Uh, we've even managed to have some laughs along the way, which when we're in Revelation is a good thing. Uh, we made it to our final church, the church of Laodicea. And, uh, well, Laodicea, they had some problems. The problem was that they didn't think they had any problems. So just to give you a little background of Laodicea, uh, they were known for three things, really. One, they were a very, very, very well-to-do city. Very rich, very wealthy. They were very rich and very wealthy because they produced a fine black wool cloth that was uh, manufactured there and sold from that place. And then thirdly, they created an eye salve because they had a cool medical school there apparently that was like hip hip hooray and fixed his eye crap. I don't know what eye salve is, but uh, it's good for you apparently. Uh, and they were able to sell that and make lots of money. I promise you that that's important later on in the passage. Uh, and so we are just going to go through this. We're going to break it down, and uh, we're going to see what God has for us today in Revelation chapter 3, verses, we're going to start in verse 14. And it says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Okay, from the very get-go, Jesus is showing that he's the boss, right? He's establishing authority. From the very beginning, he's telling you that I am the amen. I am the truth. I am verified. What I'm about to say to you is 100% true. It's something that you should listen to. Just like with upper management, right? Think about it. Whenever we have a new boss, what's the first thing they do when they come in? They come in and they assert themselves. They kind of throw their weight around and let you know what they're not going to take and what they are going to take. And so Jesus, before he brings this message to this well-to-do area who thinks that they are living the perfect life and need Nothing establishes, listen, I'm the boss. Jesus is the boss. And so moving on, we go on to verse 15, and it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Verse 16 says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Okay, here's the thing. Jesus either wants us on the boat or on the beach. What do I mean by that? This is not one of those passages that we get to use and tell Christians who are struggling, well, you better either get hot or you better just be cold because Jesus wants nothing to do with you. Negative. That's not what it's saying here at all. But you have to understand where we're going with this. Jesus understands and knows what to do with a hot, on-fire believer, right? And that person is fully in the realm of Jesus, living in a daily relationship, having been experienced in what Jesus wants them to do. Someone who is completely cold, Jesus knows where to go with them too. We need to bring them into relationship. We need to get them hot. We need to heat them up. 
But when you're dealing with somebody that's lukewarm, the problem with that is that oftentimes they know who Jesus is and they think they're hot, but they quite haven't made it into the boat. So either wants people on the boat or on the beach. We good with that? Okay, everybody's just looking at me like, I don't know if I look angry. Do I look angry? I'm not angry. People tell me I look, I'm... Is this better? Probably not better. No, not better. It's still creepy. Okay, so here's what he says with this, right? He goes on and says that if, if you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. This is like projectile vomiting, okay? Picture that. He wants you as far away from him as possible. And what I mean, I should rephrase that because he doesn't want you as far away from him as, as possible, but that's where you're placing yourself, okay? Because when you aren't living a life that is completely and utterly encapsulated by Jesus, you aren't living with Jesus. And that's where Laodicea was. So we go on to verse 17 and it says, Jesus is speaking to Laodiceans and he says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Okay, so when we look at this, wretched, he's telling them that they are of poor quality. He tells them that they're pitiful, meaning that they're insufficient. They're, they're not enough. Poor, worse than acceptable, blind, unable to see your own condition, and naked. They're shamed and exposed. Shamed and exposed. And the whole time they don't see this at all. Because here they are living their life in Laodicea. They're selling their goods. They're making money. So rich of a place that when it was destroyed by an earthquake multiple times, they denied any money. Wouldn't that be amazing? But just think about our country. FEMA comes in and says, hey, we want to give you a couple million dollars. And the city says, no, no thanks. We got this covered. So wealthy that they were even able to help support other people other cities and build them up. And Jesus is coming to them and saying, listen, you guys are poor. You're insufficient. You're not doing this right. It's not enough. And there's, what are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about, Jesus? We've got everything. We've got everything we need. We, we don't want for anything. We can afford everything. We have all the possessions we could ever need. We're following your laws. They're going through the motions. But the thing was, they weren't allowing Jesus inside. And so Jesus, being the loving God he is, comes to them and says, listen, I want to get this fixed. I want to make this better. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Now think about that. This is a rich area. I know I keep saying that, but they had all the gold anybody could want. And what he's saying to them is, your gold, not worth very much to me. Not worth very much to me. Now this is, again, not an excuse for us to be like, well, you just said gold's not worth very much to me. I guess I don't need to tithe. Not saying that. Not going there. Neither was he. I'm guessing I still look angry because everybody looks scared. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Okay. So what he's trying to tell them is he's saying, listen, you need spiritual currency. We need gold that's been tested by the fire, that's been purified. You need to be put through the fire so that you can come out stronger because that's the currency that matters to me. That's the currency that matters to Jesus. It's what we do and what we go through to become stronger and more like Christ. That's all he wants. That's the currency that buys us the ultimate victory. Okay, so going on, and then he says, 
uh, and I, you need to buy white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, right? Righteousness, righteousness. That's what he's talking about. You need righteousness because right now you don't have that. You've got this fine black wool that all of you are wearing and you produce and it's wonderful and your clothes are great and they're ornate. But it's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for you to be clothed in the best clothing. You know, we don't need to be dressed. I don't even know what the best clothing is. I should say that before I go into this because I shop in the mall like once every never and it's usually only to buy shoes. And so I don't know if Gap is popular. Or I mean, like when I was little, it was like Gap and they had Baby Gap and Toddler Gap and Middle Age Gap and Gaps. So I don't know if that's like the, the cool way to go, um, but fine clothing. So they're dressed and they're thinking, we've got this covered. And he's saying, listen, I don't care what, what is physically on you. I care that you are clothed in righteousness, that you are clothed in me, that you are living a life that people see and they're saying, man, that person has been touched by Jesus. And they didn't have that life. <laughs> And the worst part was they were blind to it. And so that's where he says, you know what else you need to buy? You need to buy salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Remember, they produce this stuff. And they're like, we produce this stuff. Everybody comes to us for it. Why are we going to you for this? And it's simple. It's because they're blind. They're blind to their own condition. And we so often get to that point, right? In our suburbia, 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 is that right? Suburbia dream? Suburban? No, that's a car. I don't know. Don't worry about it. You get what I'm saying. In our sub, sub, suburbian. suburbian, boom, suburbian dream, right? We all have our houses and our white picket fences and we want our new cars and we have our great careers and some of us have uh, bigger houses and better cars and gr- better careers and that's good for you. I'm not jealous or anything like that. I don't struggle with this at all. Um, Thank you. Finally, something. I was like, good grief. Rough crowd today. Everybody's just like, I'm like, man, I'm, I must be throwing stones or something. We fall into this trap where we get so comfortable in our lives and in our routine, and we think we've got this covered. Everything is okay. It's going great. I'm paying my bills. I'm on time. I tithe. I follow all the rules. I go to church on Sundays. I go to church some Sundays. I go to church when I'm supposed to serve on Sundays. I've seen a church, and we seem to think that we've, we've got this covered. We've heard of Jesus, we know Jesus, and so obviously we're good. But we're blind to our own condition that we don't really have Jesus and we're not living through Jesus and we're not seeking things of worth through Jesus because that's what Jesus really wants. He wants us to seek things of worth through him. See, the problem in Laodicea is that they were having their own party and they were going through their own things without Jesus. And all he wanted was to get inside. This is what he says in 19. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. In verse 20, he goes on to say, Here I am. Stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The first thing he's saying, it's all love, baby. It's all love. Right? I rebuke those I love. I'm not coming down on you because I don't like you. I'm not coming down on you because I think you're awful people. I'm not coming down on you because... I want you to run away from me. I'm coming down on you because I love you. I'm letting you know where you're wrong because I love you and I want you to turn this thing around. It's all love. And then the declaration, right? Here I am. Here I am. He's right outside. He's waiting 
for us to just open that door. And notice here where it changes, right? This whole time he's addressing the church and then he goes to the individual. And he says, here I am that if anyone opens the door, if any one person opens the door, I'm going to come in with them, I'm going to dine with them, and they with me. Now we have to understand what he's saying here because he's talking about keeping the party going and being part of the party. Dinners at this time and in age and in this place, they were feasts, they were parties. People went and they were there for hours, right? Just talking and celebrating. And yes, there was food and there was drink and there was all kinds of things involved, but that wasn't the focus. It was fellowship. It was being with another person. And that's what Jesus is saying is, look, I'm not here to stop the party. I'm not here to tell you that your things are evil. I'm here to say, enjoy them, but enjoy them with me. I want to be a part of it. Let me be at the table with you. And that's all that Jesus really wants is to be at the table with us. And we need to do our best to understand that and be sure and be mindful that we are including Jesus in the things we do. He wants to be part of our success. That's really what he wants. So he's not saying that you can't be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and that you can't have money and that you can't have the nice car and you can't have the nice house with the white picket fence and your dreams can't come true. What he's saying is, Seek those things with me, through me. Let me be a part of it. That is living the true Christian life. That's the life of a fan. That's the life of a fan of God. And that's who he's addressing here, right? We use this passage so much for lost people saying, well, you better be hot or you better be cold. You don't want to be in the middle or uh, Jesus, uh, he won't like you. Yeah, no, okay, wrong. He's talking to people in the church and what he's saying is, listen up. Don't get comfortable with where you're at. Continue to seek me. Continue to push forward. Continue to understand that I am God and that all this is a blessing that comes through me and is of me, so let me be a part of it. He goes on in verses 21 and 22. And this is what he says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is saying one simple thing to us. If you make it through, if you can make it through this life without forgetting who I am and without forgetting that I need to be part of your life and you include me and we have that relationship you get to share in the victory with me. Just like he shared in victory with his father. What's that victory? It's defeating death. It's defeating death. It's getting to understand and know that we get to live eternally with Christ at his table, at his party, sharing his throne. That is what he wants. And that's what we have to hold on to and cling to and strive for. To make it to the end and cross the finish line. You know, they have that commercial that, uh, I don't know what the message is. It's something like stay positive or keep pushing forward. or It's the fat guy that runs the marathon. You, have you seen this? I, I always put myself in that picture because there's no way I'd ever run a marathon. And it's like marathon's over, been over. There, people are cleaning up the streets. And here comes like Chubby. I'm being mean, I'm, but I can say this because I'm Chubby. It's one of those things. Here comes Chubby like running along with a sweatband and like his extra wide shoes and his socks that are bunched up around the ankle because fat people have no sense of fashion apparently. Um, 
And he's got bloody knees and bloody elbows, and you could tell that he's falling down a couple times, and he's struggling, and he's wheezing, and like just needs people to run at him with inhalers and squirt him in his face and stuff. <laughs> but the point of it is, is that he pushes through. The entire time, the 26.2 miles, is that how long a marathon is? You guys are idiots, seriously. <laughs> that is so stupid. I'm sorry. No, really, he should rethink life. Um, anyways, what was I going with there? He pushes through the entire way, right? No matter how hard it is, no matter how many times he's stumbled, no matter how many times he's fallen, he makes it through to the end. And at the end, it is very inspirational, I heard that. And at the end, right, here comes all the people. They're cleaning up the trash, they're sweeping. They see the effort that this guy has put forward. They see the effort that he's put through. And they're clapping him home to the end. Celebrating the fact that he pushed through and he made it to the end. I know that's a very different picture, but it's the same thing with Jesus. Right? When we make it through the race, skin knees, skinned elbows, asthma, different ailments, when we make it through that, with Jesus in mind the entire way and get to the finish line, he's there at the end, clapping his home. We have to understand that victory is the ultimate goal. Can we enjoy what we have? Of course you can. If you feel bad about it, give it to me. I'll enjoy it for you. <laughs> I promise. Amen. That's my wife. Woo! Of course we can enjoy what we have. Our problem is when we enjoy things without Jesus. Because when that happens, we allow ourselves to begin to chase stuff rather than to chase God. And that is the goal of this life. It's to chase God. It's to cross the finish line. It's to share in the victory. That's why we're all here. You don't have to be scared anymore because I'm done. So uh, what song would you like, Jack? <laughs> Wait in the water. Wait. Like the deer panted for the water so my soul longeth after thee. Good? Good. Sweet. Okay. In a few minutes, the band is going to come back up here. They're going to play some worship songs for you. We're going to have some people standing in the back. If you have found yourself in this life to struggle through the race, and you just want to pray about it, you just want to talk to somebody about it, we will be back there. I promise you it's a judgment-free zone. After all, you're talking to me, and I have no room to judge anyone ever. So let's pray, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your message and for your word, God, because we know that through you we can experience victory. Lord, you are the ultimate. You are the powerful. You are the party animal who just wants to be part of our life. And when we let you in and we open that door, God, you are right there. You are waiting for us and you are eager to participate in the things that we do. Lord, help us to understand that all things come through you. That, Lord, you are the goal. You are the focus. And as long as we have you at the center of our lives, it's okay to celebrate and have whatever we may. But Lord, I ask that for anybody who maybe has lost sight of that, because I know I have at times, especially during times of struggle, Lord, I pray that you give them the hunger and the thirst and the direction and the guidance to come back to you and repent, because that's what you tell us. 
you tell us to repent. And if we repent, Lord, you forgive. And when you forgive, you welcome us to your table. And we get to share in your throne. In your son's name we pray. Amen.